there are different approaches to what, let's say, a middle-class person should do when they feel worried about finances or, or even uh, one of the many extremely rich people who probably listen to this podcast. Common approach number one is blame yourself for not planning well enough and then feel shame and do nothing. Common approach number two, blame greedy rich business owners for taking all the money. Common approach, let's say 2B, blame the government. Common approach three, which is actually not that common, make a plan and act on it. But folks, I'm here to propose to you a third option. Wait, fourth option. I call radical budgeting. Uh, Don't worry, it's not like a boring budget that you actually have to follow. Uh, It's more of an exercise that might be fun and helpful. First, ideally read a book about the conditions in North Korea. The popular book on this right now is um, about a guy who escaped. It's called A River in Darkness. A River in Darkness. Maybe I'll read an excerpt tomorrow. They pick up individual rice grains off the floor. That should be a good way to calibrate our expectations here. What we define as need and right there dissolve some worry. As a self-employed person, I've often woken up in the morning and worried about how precarious my situation must be. But it's really, it's not. We have a really good social safety net here. So many, there's so many options to make money that I'm fine. It just doesn't always feel that way. But that's why you read something like the book, A River in Darkness, or like The Grapes of Wrath. I remember the kid in that book, one of the kids thinks that a piece of paper is just so precious and rare and valuable. Okay, so we're calibrated. We've uh, realized that what we thought were needs weren't actually needs. Actually, one thing about the River of Darkness book, the North Korea one, this might actually be a bit of a spoiler. I'm not sure, but you might want to skip ahead if you're planning on reading the book. The main character arrives in North Korea as a just a boy with his family. This is a true story. They left Japan to go over to the promised land of this paradise. It's described as a paradise by the recruiters. This main character's father was Korean, and he had been treated badly in Japan. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think Koreans were brought over as slaves or nearly slaves and be put into the front lines in the military and stuff eventually of course this wasn't acceptable koreans were had to be allowed you know all the rights of the other japanese people and uh so they were improved for the koreans in japan but they were never treated well they were never looked upon as as equals anyway so the father convinces the boy's mother his wife who had previously brutally beaten that they should move the family to north korea and when they arrived they realized that it was an impoverished place and they were not welcomed warmly by the totalitarian government they were instead put under surveillance and they were given this a job and a house to live in but it was just a shack and it was a cold place they had to huddle together 
by the fireplace to keep warm. Like babies were dying and mothers were dying in childbirth. And this was, this wasn't back in the day. This was like the 70s or something. There were no bathtubs in the house. The work was brutal. And they were asked to do nonsensical things. And if they stepped out of line, there'd be consequences. The other thing is they were seen as beneath the other Koreans because they were from Japan and treated accordingly. So people were starving. People were starving. And because there wasn't enough food from that the government was supposed to be providing for them in exchange for work, they would have to go and pick these horrid tasting weeds that would make them ill. And they would have to they would have to stick something up their butts to get this concrete feces to come out. But one good thing had changed. His father, the father in the story, the one that's previously beating his mother, had become kind to her. And he'd become kind to all of his children that they were previously frightened by him. He said he was sorry for taking them away from Japan and signing them up to be prisoners. And then at some point, the house that the government had assigned the family burned down. The government just shrugged their shoulders. And so the main character boy and the father went up into the woods in the mountainside to cut timbers to build a new one. They rested for lunch on the side of the mountain. They were hungry. Well, they were always hungry. And the boy's mother had sent two balls of rice with them. And the father handed them both to the boy. The father said that the mother had made them for him. The boy said, no, no. He tried to hand, and he tried to hand one back to his father, but the father put, up his hand, put his hand up because the boy wasn't expecting the father not to take it. You know, there's a mix-up, and the rice ball fell to the ground and started rolling down the hill. And so both the boy and his father ran to catch this ball of rice that was starting to roll down the hill, and they caught it. It was full of dirt and rocks. But they both knew the boy would still eat the precious rice. And they both wept. So fast forward to later in the story. And the boy is now a man. And he escapes from North Korea. He swims across this river and ends up unconscious on the other side in China. This man had brought him to the home, so his home. So he woke up in this really unfamiliar space it was a small house modest house but there was a tv and a bicycle and a few other things and it was all wonderful there was meat and vegetables and now we'll do some budgeting Let's make a budget for true necessities to live a wonderful life. I'm going to do this for a single person, someone that's, you know, kind of my age. So you may need to adjust. So you need shelter. First thing is to make sure you live in a populated area because that's going to be helpful with our, our a bunch of stuff later. Um, share your living space with others for best bang for the buck. Housing's like french fries. The large one isn't that much more expensive than the small one. So get the large and share. I know someone in Winnipeg that rents a seven-bedroom house in a sweet area for 1500 bucks, 
and shares it with five people, so six in total in the house. Including heat and internet, it's less than $2,000, which is less than $350 each, so $330 something. They have a backyard and a basement. Some of the people that live there found it by just responding to an ad on, on a common classified ad service. And if you have lots of friends, doing it with friends would be even more fun. So let's say $350 per month for housing. Feel free to add something onto that, but $350 for housing, internet, laundry, and drinking water. You can pay for $350 per month with 31 hours of work at McDonald's or less if you can handle management, anything above minimum wage. This is four days of work. So we've got shelter and water covered. Next is food. I described my favorite lentil meal, which I've personally enjoyed daily for months on end in a previous episode. That's one of our meals for the day. So let's say that's a buck per day. Another meal can be eggs. Eggs are 30 cents each or so. Let's go with three eggs. So $1. Another meal can be oatmeal with banana slices. (laughs) Oh, and with the Obama recommended number for almonds, which is like four or something. Or peanuts, which are which are even cheaper. Let's say another dollar for that meal. Maybe some carrots every day. Let's let's pad that budget to be luxurious. A luxurious five dollars per day. So that's five dollars times thirty days in the month, which is one hundred fifty a month. One hundred fifty a month, and we've spent zero time hunting or gathering or growing our own food, and we have a way healthier diet than average. Keeping fit, having fun, doing our radical budgeting. So far, we're at 500 for our food, shelter, water, laundry, and internet. We're officially surviving here, and the living conditions are are pretty luxurious. We're at 44 hours at McDonald's for the month. So think about that. That's That's prosperity. A quarter time at literally the lowest paying job legally possible. At that amount of income, you won't need to pay any net taxes either. Clothing is basically free if you're only needing to survive. Thrift stores have so much that they just throw it away because they can't sell it all. There's so many clothes around. Seriously, if you know five people One of them probably have an old winter coat that they never use. I've got a couple. (laughs) Hit me up. Any item of clothing that you need, ask. I've probably got an extra one. And most of my stuff were hand-me-downs from others. Radical budgeting is not teaching people a lesson. It's not about teaching anyone a lesson. It's not an excuse to rag on poor people. It's just an exercise that I use as a person capable of work. And if you don't mind working a few more hours than quarter time at McDonald's, or if you could get your wage a little bit beyond minimum wage, hey, feel free to add more things to your budget, like beer. Oh, if you want, you could borrow my beer-making equipment. I only ask for 10% of the resulting beer. Since I'm a good capitalist... Well, anyway, thank you for listening. 
really appreciate it that you do. Good luck with all of your affairs, all of your financial anxieties. If you think you need a lot more stuff than what's afforded in radical budgeting, hey, that's fine. Hey, that maybe that's better. Well, anyway, good luck with all of your affairs. Thank you for listening. And I'll be back with another one tomorrow.